0: now for scoops with danny mack the podcast on 101 espn
1: welcome in to scoops with danny mack this is the wednesday edition that means we have brian walton of the cardinal coming up and a lot of minor league talk also, what's happening with the Major League Club and some of the roster moves the Cardinals will have to make. Remember, it's a doubleheader tomorrow against the Pittsburgh Pirates. We'll get into that with Brian Walden. I thought yesterday, last night, one that kind of got away for the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, that's one that got away. You know, when you send the young from first base and the uh, it was just inches away from being a home run a two-run homer for Yadier Molina. DeYoung was off the pitch. You can kind of see him maybe hesitate around second to make sure the ball wasn't caught. Looked at it on a replay. Okendo took a chance, tried to score him. Perfect execution on the replay by a relay by um, the Kansas City Royals, and then in the ninth, with the tying run at third, they could not get him home. Uh, with one out Cardinal, come up just one run short. And uh, Mike Schill was asked about Jose Okendo sending the Young in that eighth inning.
2: Oh, I mean, look, I mean, Jose's in the history of baseball, maybe one of the best third base coaches of, we have in the in the game. You know, he made a decision, saw something, took a shot. I, you know didn't work out but got no real major issue with it um at all i mean i trust jose oquendo just like i trust pop who will be back at some point but man you know it's a it's a blessing to have to be able to manage to have jose oquendo be on your staff and to be able to coach third base anytime so didn't work out that's that's baseball That happens.
1: Didn't have a problem with it. Um, If DeYoung doesn't have that little hesitation around second base scores and also look at the execution by Kansas City. It was a perfect, perfect executed play. And the throw, Scotty, from their shortstop, Mondesi, a bullet, one hopper, boom, tagged by uh, Gallagher just a perfectly executed big league play.
3: That's exactly right. I thought the throw from Odyssey that you you were just talking about was unbelievable, but the bounce that came off that left field wall, man, I mean, it was like it was perfectly drawn up. It just had that smooth roll right into his glove. It was a great... Um, transfer from the glove to the ball to his hand, and then I mean it was it
1: was perfect like you just said. Six five seven eight zero. If you want to text in on some of the things that happened last night, Dan, I don't understand Shields' ninth inning strategy. Why wasn't Wong instructed to steal second? Edmund squeezing. I don't want to see Edmund squeeze. He got a runner at third, that's Bader. He's a left-handed bat at that point. And I am gonna see a fastball from Trevor Rosenthal. I like Edmund against the fastball. If he gets a fastball, I trust that Tommy Edmund is going to put the ball in play. With the speed of Bader, I'm trusting that he's going to score. If it's ball on the ground, he's going to score. Ball in the air, he's going to score. I'm trusting that Tommy Edmund brings that 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 runner in. He's got to put the ball in play. And that's I, that's my my thought to process with Tommy Edmond at the plate.
3: I was going to tell you, Dan. I was reading this this morning uh, from the Kansas City Star about. Rosenthal being quoted that he actually faced off against Tommy Edmond during quarantine in St. Charles. And he was quoted saying, I think that kind of helped me out out there. I had a nice plan to attack him. That's kind of fun how that all ended up paying out for me, at least not for him.
1: Yeah. I, I don't want to see him squeeze. Uh, I've got to trust that Tommy puts the ball in play. So the at bat did not work out. Just one of those things, but you got to get the ball in play. He didn't do it, but that's interesting. Scotty in the uh, Kansas city star. Uh, in the game, again, Adam Wainwright gives you innings when you still need, at this point, innings. You got um, to have innings. You got to have innings. You have so many of these doubleheaders coming up. Now, the starters are starting to get stretched out. You could see in some of these games that a starter would give you six or seven coming up in September. And uh, what did Mike Schild think about Adam Wainwright last night?
2: I thought, you know, Waino was able to. to... he pitched seven innings and left in a tie game so just in and of itself big picture i thought it was an effective outing for him um you know a few pitches maybe middle of the plate um that that he didn't get away with but i thought he was pretty doggone good man seven innings under 100 pitches um three earned runs i believe so It was a quality outing for Waino.
1: Yeah, he didn't have his best stuff. Off-speed wasn't as good. I thought his cutter was really good—the cutter, the slider, whatever you want to call it. I thought that was his better pitch. At times, you look at his curveball; it was the Uncle Charlie that you get used to. The third inning, though, probably the turning point, though, for Adam Wainwright.
4: First inning was good, and then second, third, and and four. I mean, the the third inning is really the one that chaffs me, though. You know, I mean, I can fell into a bad count, gave up a home run late, but. And and the other one, you know, I hung a couple of breaking balls early in the second. But the third inning, two on or two two outs, nobody on, and two straight walks. I mean, that's just you know, when you don't have your good stuff, sometimes you gotta you gotta battle and make guys swing at other stuff. But you can't give free passes. And that was I, I really think that was the turning point in the game. Even though we um, even though we ended up taking the lead, and I, I blew the lead in the seventh in the sixth. Um, you know, just that, that run right there was the difference in the game. That's the run I look at.
1: Yep, the back-to-back walks that came up and uh, caught and bit Wainwright at that point. Said he was a little bit disappointed. I, I wouldn't say that. He's given you now, since the 17-day layoff, he gave you five against the White Sox and then back-to-back seven-inning performances.
4: Still going to compete no matter what. You know, go out there and, and, uh, and compete. You know, if I'm throwing 97... It makes it easier, but you know when you're not, when you don't have the the great fastball, and then you lose your fastball command and don't have your good breaking ball. It's going to be tough. So yeah, I mean I'm I was I was uh, glad to keep us in the game for through seven, but you know it certainly could have been much better. I was disappointed in in the quality of stuff tonight. I'm, I'm glad I competed like I did, but I was disappointed in the stuff.
1: So we'll see uh, what happens tonight. It is the rubber game, and you can see the game on Fox Sports Midwest, 630, the pregame show, and it's Dakota Hudson, probably a bullpen start for the Kansas City Royals, but I really felt that's one that got away. And if your Cardinals are going to get into postseason play, it's games like that you look back on, you go, mm, mm, that's one that got away because you have Detroit, you have Kansas City, and you got Pittsburgh. Those are the teams you have to beat up on. It's the teams like Milwaukee, Cincinnati, Chicago that are the tough teams. Yes, it, sir.
3: What I was going to say, I think that it helps you stomach it a little bit if they win tonight, if they at least win the series. Now, you never, you know, of course, you never want to lose the game, but I think it turns tonight into a lot bigger game, a
1: lot more of, hey, we have like the Cardinals need to win this game. Right. I would say, though, um, to your point, you win series. That's how you go. That's how you get in. That's how you do it. 100%. Yep. Danny Mack, love the show. What's the last time, or when's the last time a 39-year-old led a staff in innings? <laughs> Good point. Um, we got to look that up. I wonder when it is. Last time a 39-year-old led a staff in innings. I bet Randy, who's probably driving right, right now and... If this was the uh, the fight, he would be like, oh, Dan, it's blah, blah, blah. He probably knows and driving off the road and getting out the phone to call us. But maybe we can look that up. Uh, Brian Walton, maybe we'll ask him, too. But we'll get into the minor leagues, what's happening with the St. Louis Cardinals. I want to tell you about our good friends at FanDuel in just a moment as well. This is 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101
0: ESPN.
1: It's a Wednesday, and we always visit with Brian Walton of TheCardinalNation.com. Disappointing loss for the Cardinals uh, last night against the Kansas City Royals, but so far, so good. Coming out of the shutdown of 17 days, and the Cardinals in the race of a playoff spot. But again, doubleheader coming up tomorrow. Number of doubleheaders coming up in September, so roster shuffle coming up. And that means Brian Walton would probably have some of the answers of how the 40 man would work, how that trickles down into the minor leagues, and some of those answers as well at thecardinalnation.com. Brian, as always, we appreciate your time on these Wednesday mornings and uh, on Scoops with scoopswithdannymack.com. We've been doing this from day one, so always good to hear your voice. How are you?
5: I'm doing great, Dan. Would, uh, like you said, it would have been greater to see a win last night against the Royals, but uh, so it's going to be important for them to come back tonight and take this series and get some momentum heading into that uh, doubleheader on, on Thursday.
1: I don't know about you. I, I have been impressed, I guess shocked, surprised. I guess I shouldn't be, but just the way the team has played after the, the 17 days. From the hitter's perspective to what Wainwright has done, um, just in general, I, I, <clears throat> I just been very impressed with what I've seen from the Cardinals to come out and play the type of baseball in general that they have.
5: Well, and you know, the true, the true, uh, essence of the Cardinals is coming through. I mean, we knew at the beginning of the year, what were the Cardinals going to be? They were going to be a team that had strong pitching that would play solid defense and they would. Have enough offense to get by. And the offense, you know, at times has been even better. You know, we we saw last year when Paul Goldschmidt hit home runs in like six games in a row. You know, when Goldschmidt gets hot, he can carry the offense. You know, the real question in the lineup has been with Paul DeYoung out, that guy to hit behind Goldschmidt that other teams are scared of, which makes them refuse, you know, being less likely to walk Goldschmidt. We haven't seen that yet. Now, Brad Miller stepped up and, and, you know, swung the bat well. Maybe he isn't as strong defensively as you'd like. But, you know, either, either DeYoung's got to get back or, you know, he's got to have somebody to hit behind Goldschmidt in the middle of the lineup. And DeYoung did get three hits. Unfortunately, the play that, you know, sticks in everybody's mind is the, the, the play where he was thrown out at, at, uh, at home plate. But he did get three hits, and that's, you know, a positive sign for a guy, you know, who had COVID and is, you know, still working his way back.
1: Absolutely. Um I would assume there's indications at the Cardinals with Martinez in particular uh coming back that it could be kind of going towards a six-man rotation with all the doubleheaders especially in September. So this allows you maybe to build up Carlos who's indicated again. He wants to go back in the rotation. How do you think this may work out starting with the doubleheader tomorrow?
5: Well, it's been really interesting to watch Dan because uh you know as as you said, Carlos uh was given an assignment, a bunch of things that he needed to do to show uh, Maddox and and Mike Schilt that he was serious about starting. He did all those things. He pitched well, he earned a spot in the rotation. Uh, Then he got sick and he got sick back. And then the comments seemed to be more uh, from Mike Schilt and John Moseley that. Hey, You know, maybe Carlos won't be able to start this year. You know, maybe we need him in the bullpen. But Carlos and and, and Carlos did not go down to Springfield. By the way, Major League players are not required to go on rehab assignments unless they want to go. Now, I don't know whether it was because the Cardinals kept him there or Carlos didn't want to go. But for whatever reason, Carlos stayed in St. Louis, and he continued to throw side sessions, and there continued to be this intrigue. Is he going to start? Is he going to relieve? And then uh, yesterday and then the pregame Zoom, Mike Chilt uh, told us, you know, they're going to somewhat loosely have a six-man rotation with these double headers coming up and, and Carlos is going to start. And I think if you step back, you know, Carlos Martinez is definitely one of the best six starters in the St. Louis Carlos roster. The only question is how deep can he go into games? But, you know, when you're pitching seven inning, you know, when you're going seven inning games, you know, if he could get you four innings to come out of the out of the gate, you know, you have only got to get three more innings out of the bullpen. And I, yeah, you look Carlos was a very durable starter before he hurt his shoulder and his last 50 starts. I went back and looked at the numbers from 2017-2018. When Carlos was starting, he went 5 or more innings in 44 of his 50 starts. So, you know, while there's this impression that Carlos blows up early and he doesn't pitch deep into the games, the facts say that that's not the case. Now, that was the pre-shoulder injury Carlos, but you know, what we saw in, in spring camp uh was pretty good. So, yeah, I think definitely the Carlos making the right decision to bring uh, you know, Carlos, the Cardinals are center right to bring Carlos into the rotation. But at the same time, you know, we've got Johan Oviedo uh, pitching in the second game tomorrow and you know, he's another guy that's going to, you know, could play a significant role down the stretch.
1: And the bottom line, they're going to need arms. So it does make sense. It's an immediate need uh, for this team. Um, how the 40 man would work too. The Cardinals had such a need just to get arms, just to get through that first week coming back after the 17 day layoff um it's speculation to a point but yet you start looking at how some of this works with the first wave of COVID guys that were hit now coming back we've seen Molina we've seen um uh, obviously shortstop Paul DeYoung we've got others now starting to trickle back in a Carlos Martinez as we just mentioned and others going down to Springfield and the alternate site Then you have the second wave of guys like Orion Ryan Helsley and some of the others. So there's some really tough decisions that the Cardinals have to make. And that's why it wasn't so easy before, Brian, we were talking like people were saying, well, just go to your alternate site and add guys. It it just doesn't work that way because of the potential of losing players. And that maybe is what the Cardinals uh, could be facing here coming up.
5: That's right, Dan. There are still eight players on the COVID IL, four pitchers and and four hitters, and they're in various stages of working their way back. But when all those guys get to full strength, uh, the 40-man roster, which obviously the limit is 40, normally in this year, with the strange rules that we have, teams are basically allowed to go over that 40 with the guys on the COVID IL. So right now the Cardinals have 46 guys on that roster. So when all eight of those players that I mentioned that are on the COVID IL come back, the Cardinals will have to shed six players from the 40 men. And those probably are going to be the guys who they had to add, uh, you know, primarily the guys that they had to add back to Chicago. And I'm talking about the, the Chris mats and the Meisingers singers and the Rolo Ramirez and, and uh, Jesus Cruz. And it's not that they're bad pitchers and it's not that they'll necessarily be lost to the organization because they have to go through waivers. And unless another organization has 40 man roster room for them, you know, they could pass through waivers and stay in the organization. And that's what we saw in a quiet move the Cardinals made uh, late last week. They did that with Alvaro Sejas, who was on the 40-man. Again, you know, one of the guys they decided to move off to make room. And because Sejas had never you know, really pitched above AA, he was a guy that didn't have a lot of visibility around the game, and so the Cardinals were able to keep him in, in alternate camp. But he's off the 40-man roster, and he's out of the 60-man player pool this year.
1: In terms of what you've seen with the trade deadline and what uh, you know may or may not happen, we don't know about the budgets of teams. We don't know if we're going to have fans in the stands uh, come next year, which is clearly something that affects budgets. I do find it fascinating with all these teams that have a chance to, to make postseason play. What the trade date uh, deadline is going to look like, and we're we're less than a week away from the trade deadline. I it's a fun time of year normally for fans and media to specul- uh, speculate. But I, I'm curious what you think and what you're hearing from your counterparts in the business and what the trade deadline may look like.
5: Well, I think from the the big picture, because of the shortened season, because of the expanded playoffs, where over half of Major League Baseball will will play in the postseason. Uh, you look around the standings, and I think the number is 20, if I remember right, 22 of the 30 teams are within two games of a playoff berth right now. So, you know, pretty much everybody's in it. So the few teams that are going to be sellers, you know, there's going to be great demand for these players. I mean, we saw Keone Kayla, the the closer of the Pirates. You know, he's a guy that's going to be, you know, probably in demand. I, I've heard rumors that, that our friend Lance Lynn, uh, who's been exceptional for the Rangers, you know, is a guy that's, you know, going to be, uh, there's a lot of interest around the game. Uh, Dylan Bundy, who was a big prospect with the Orioles, he's now with the Angels. Another guy, Trevor Rosenthal, that we saw last night. You know, these guys are guys that are typically on contracts are going to end this year, so a team can bring them in for, you know, a reasonable amount of, of, of money and could contribute uh, to the, you know, potentially the postseason run. Now, the, one of the other limiting factors is that this year, unique to this year the only players that can be traded are the players who are actively on in a 60 man pool right now so you couldn't trade a young guy in the Dominican Summer League or or somebody who you know played in the New York Penn League those guys are off the table to be traded this year now you could name a player to be named later which requires teams to name that player within six months, but there's no games to evaluate these guys. So you're not going to, teams aren't going to know any more about this unknown guy in six months from now than they own today.
1: Sure. Uh, Brian Walton of the Cardinal nation is my guest. I'm curious because you you dive into the minor leagues. So two of the biggest names coming out of camp with the minor leagues outside of Dylan Carlson were Matthew Libertor, Nolan Gorman. They are at the alternate site. If this was a quote unquote, normal season, where would they have started and where do you think they would have finished?
5: I think there's a third name you want to throw in there along with Libertor is, is uh, Thompson.
1: Absolutely. The, the yeah. fellow
5: left-hander, the first rounder. Those three guys all are guys that probably would have started this season at double A Springfield. And, you know, easily one of them could have had a Dylan Carlson like year where they drew a lot of attention, you know, potentially finish the year at triple A and, you know, in, a, in an environment where if the Cardinals needed help, you know, they could get called up. And so, you know, as we've talked about in multiple calls like this, even for the guys who are lucky enough to be in the player pool and getting work this year, their development is slowed by what's happened around them. Because, you know, and Dylan Carlson told us this. He said, listen, you know, there just aren't enough players in the alternate camp that we can have real games. Yeah, we can put players on the field. We can take live bank practice. We can get our work in. But, you know, the implication was it's not the same as playing games against live competition. So, you know, the goodness is the Cardinals have some very good prospects, and they're not inconvenienced any more than any of the other 29 organizations. But, you know, what's happened this year has definitely hurt prospects across the game.
1: There's no question. Dylan Carlson, uh, your impressions of what you've seen from the young man so far?
5: You know, I think the thing that impresses me most about Dylan Carlson isn't something that a lot of other folks focus on. You know, folks are analyzing his swing and all. What I've been impressed with is, is his demeanor, and he's always been a calm. He's always been a well, you know, well focused guy. But you know, he hasn't let the bad luck, you know, the challenges that he's had, get to him. You know, we're not seeing him uh, argue with umpires and storm away from the plate and throw his bat or you know anything. And I'm not saying that. You know that's common, but the point is, you know, he you can't tell by looking at him. Did he did he just strike out with the bases loaded, or you know did he just hit that home run? He's really an even keel guy. That's going to be important to him because let's face it, you know this is probably the first time in his career where he's seen a little adversity. Right? He's seeing breaking pitches. He's getting pitched like he's never been pitched before. He's seeing quality of pitches that he's never seen before. And so now the challenge is going to be, you know, for him to learn from that. And every indication is that he has both the the right mental outlook and the physical tools to enable him to do that.
1: Where were they primarily playing him uh, at Springfield and Memphis? It was primarily in center, am I right?
5: Well, they, he had played a lot of corner earlier in his career, and they had him get more experience in center last year, I think, in recognition of the fact that uh, the potential opening in St. Louis was going to be in center, but also that they wanted him to be a guy to move all around, and that's exactly what he's done. You know, he's played in right, he's played in center, he's played in left. And you know what we've seen in the last couple of games, interestingly enough, is that Tyler O'Neal sat out, uh, and it's not because of the hand problem that he had, it's just that they preferred to play uh, Dylan Carlson. And that's really sort of a byproduct of Harrison Bader, you know, really picking it up offensively in the last handful of games. And, you know, Bader's if he solidifies his grip on that center field job, that means left is going to be the only job open because, you know, quietly – We've seen Dexter Fowler. He's having a Dexter Fowler kind of year, uh, you know, very consistent with what he's done in his career. So that really leaves left field as the only place that's potentially open. Now, further complicating that, I mean, complicating in a positive way, but Austin Dean and Lane Thomas were cleared. They're the last ones of the COVID cases to be cleared. So they're going to start working out at Bush, and then they'll go to Springfield. And so, you know, when Lane Thomas is ready to come back, I mean, he was a guy that was considered – you know, coming into camp on even keel with Tyler O'Neill to compete for a starting job. You know, now where, if Lane Thomas is ready, where is he going to play? I mean, there just aren't the outfield bats. Now, you could say, well, designated hitter, but again, we've seen Brad Miller not only step up, but step up to the point where he's been trusted in the cleanup spot. So, you know, you've kind of, you've got the Tommy Edmond, Matt Carpenter, uh, Brad Miller trio, of which there's only two who can normally play anyway. And so the designated hitter is kind of used to, to offset that. So it's not like there's another outfield bet. So long-winded way of saying, you know, the outfield situation is one that is continuing to evolve. And, uh, you know, it's not going to be clear who's going to be that starter in leftover long haul. But right now, today, it kind of looks like Dylan Carlson.
1: Yeah, I got to wonder long-term where they look at Carlson. And I I know there's a lot of factors, as you just mention we saw the throw last night from left field it was impressive and there's so many factors I mean Dexter Fowler has another year in his contract can Bader grab center and run with it um, he can play all three outfield spots play them effectively I'm, I'm just I am fascinated with the long-term um, prognosis of where he plays you know where where you think he is best defensively and I guess it all depends on where the, the organization is in that point yeah I
5: mean I think I think mean, long-term if I had to put my money on it, I'd say he'll be the right fielder. You know, he'll be the long-term right fielder for the Cardinals, but we'll see. I mean, again, you know, it's nice to have options. It's nice to have guys, you know, with capability who can play multiple positions. And I said, that's a long-term answer. I think in the short term here in, 2020, we're going to continue to see Dylan Carlson move around because he's shown that he can, you know, that he can handle that defensively. I mean, he's been very, very smooth. And yeah, yeah, there was a you know, standout play there on that throw, but, you know, you look overall and, you know, he doesn't look like a rookie as he's out there in the field. He looks like a, a seasoned major league veteran. And, you know, that's a, that's a positive for the Cardinals as they're trying to sort out, you know, what's Bader going to be, what's O'Neill going to be, you know, do we give, you know, can we afford to give Lane Thomas another chance? You know, it's, uh, all these questions. You know, we're not much further along with those than we were back in
1: March. I'll wrap it up with this. Johan Oviedo made his major league debut. You know, I I love this kid. I was talking about him from day one of spring training, and uh, in my mind, he didn't disappoint in his debut at Wrigley. And I, I can't wait to watch him tomorrow. What What have you thought?
5: I I think if. Johan well, Johan Elviedo has, you know, tremendous potential. Um the the question on him was the rumors were before he signed that you know he was an upper nineties guy. When he came into the organization, he was more like a lower nineties guy. And it's like, ugh, oh, you know, what happened? Well, you know, guys need time to develop. Um and he's you know, he's shown what he can do as you mentioned in that last start. I think if he puts together another strong start in that doubleheader, he's going to get, be the guy to move to the head of the line to help fill in those starts in the doubleheaders. Now, you, you know, you've know you also got Jake Woodford, who certainly did a credible job. You've got Austin Gomber. So, you know, the Cardinals still have a lot of... And then, of course, earlier in the call, we talked about Carlos Martinez as going to, you know, will sort of become part of this modified six-man rotation. Now, if if I'm... The guys in the currently in the rotation. I'm Daniel Ponce de Leon. I'm looking my, you know, looking over my shoulder, saying, "Hey, you know, I got to pitch a little more effectively. I got to pitch deeper into games because I think at some point in time on the tra- tra- trajectory they're on, I think Oviedo could grab Ponce de Leon's job. Wouldn't be out of the question."
1: In terms of what you're working on at Descartelnation.com, what do you have, Brian?
5: Well, I've spent a lot of time looking at these roster machinations that we touched on, and so I put up a detailed article, both about uh, one article about which guys I thought probably were most vulnerable to lose their 40-man spots and why. And then I followed that up with another article, which looks at the various pitchers. After everybody's back from COVID, there'll be at least 20 pitchers on the roster. And some of those guys, a lot of those guys have minor league options, but there's guys that are more likely to sort of ride the what I call now the I-44 shuttle back and forth as they get into these doubleheaders, because remember, the Cardinals can add a 29th, man for and that's all pretty much always a pitcher but the guy they take off is somebody else and so that gives them a bunch of chess pieces that they can play so i kind of laid out you know who are the guys that we you know in these upcoming days when they play these eight more double headers who are most likely to be moved on and off the roster and it has nothing to do with them being good or bad they're all good pitchers but you know sometimes they're trying to keep his arms as fresh as they can so they have to move they have to move a guy off the roster who's a good pitcher temporarily to bring somebody in who's fresh
1: Always great stuff. Thank you, Brian. We'll catch you up next Wednesday. Take care, Dan. That's Brian Walden of thecardinalnation.com. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Miller. Base hit into right. Edmund will score. Goldschmidt on his way to third. And Brad Miller comes through and the Cardinals have their first lead of the night and it's 3-2 St. Louis. Brad Miller has been one of the best offensive players for the Cardinals and uh, can't sit him. He's got to play third. He's got to play short. He's got to be your DH. I thought Mike has done a really nice job of mixing and matching, keeping him in the lineup. And with all the doubleheaders, he's going to be able to do that and justify that to his players too. You know, if a player says, well, Mike, how come I'm not in the lineup? Well, we got a lot of doubleheaders trying to keep you fresh. But the other thing is, um, well, look up. Since we've come back, he and Fernando Tatis Jr., they have the most runs batted in in baseball. Now, one of the things you got to think about, too, is that Lane Thomas is coming. You've got O'Neill. Bader's starting to hit. You got to play Dylan Carlson. Dexter's going to play. So it's crowded right now in that lineup. But man, Brad Miller has been awfully good for the St. Louis Cardinals. That has been fun to watch. Trade deadline is coming up. I find this fascinating in Major League Baseball. Tim Kirchin was a guest this morning with Randy and Michelle. And what might happen coming up with the trade deadline in MLB? It's
0: going to be quiet. I think with so many more buyers than sellers, so many more teams in it, and so difficult to gauge young players like You can't say, let's go scout that kid at double-A right now to see if he's worth putting in the deal, because there there is no double-A now. That's another part of the issue. Plus, with all the money that the owners will be losing this year in comparison, uh, they may not want to take on a whole lot of debt with a big contract when normally they might this time of year. So I think it's going to be relatively quiet, and yet... If you're a contending team and you think that one pitcher, who knows, Lance Lynn, somebody like that can push you over the top, uh, then I think you got to go for it. But if the Rangers get hot again, they're not going to trade Lance Lynn. That's kind of how this works in this truncated season.
1: He brings up a lot of interesting points, and I've been thinking a lot about the trade deadline. It's my business because I love baseball, even if I was just a fan, which I am, but also I call the game, so I think about this stuff all the time. I do find it fascinating, and I agree to a point, but what if you're the Miami Marlins, just for instance, and the, the Braves have the lead in the East, but Miami is hanging around, so you're second-place team, you get the chance to go to postseason play, and once you're in, anything can happen. Best of three in the first round, you win two out of three, you advance, and you say, we've had this crazy, outrageous season, and um, you know what? Uh, eh, let's add a guy We think this guy can help Let's do it Maybe you do A uh, few things that he talked about Scouts And I agree with him wholeheartedly uh, You don't know what's going on in the minor leagues And a lot of time deals are done Where you get a veteran player And you add um, young players You haven't been able to watch young players And you haven't been able to watch the players That are playing outside of what you see on television Scouts do help In a major way in that regard payroll we have no idea will fans be in the seats next year to alleviate some of the cost and what's happening this year we just don't know we mentioned teams like miami and those that are just hanging around that normally would not be in a quote-unquote normal season hanging around uh did they say hey let's go for it maybe they do there might be a team or two there and in the playoffs this year anything can happen especially in those short series i do find it fascinating what may happen in that regard so it's it's very very fun though to think about what some teams may do i don't think the cardinals do anything because they're getting their guys back and they got to feel pretty good about their pitching and the pitching is going to give them a chance to win that's just where they're at Uh, scotty went and dug it up and i should have thought about this the oldest recently the oldest guy to lead in innings is the the question earlier the texter was asking when's the last time a 38 or a 39 year old led their staff in innings well, it a knuckleballer, and I should have thought about this. It was R.A. Dickey, and it was the year that he won the Cy Young Award. R.A. Dickey was the guy that did it, and it makes sense. You know, a knuckleballer could go 20 innings. It wouldn't matter. He's just boop, blowing it up. The,
3: Can you throw one of those? What's that? If I brought a baseball in the studio, you think
1: you could throw a knuckleball? You know who the best knuckleballers are? Infielders. Because they're always playing catch every day. So they, they sit there and they mess around. all. Oh, yeah, I could do this, And they, they learn how to throw knuckleballs. So when you see, like, I don't know if we would have seen it this year because one of the rules may be to cut down on innings. You know, they would bring in a guy and try to cut down with having an infielder get the final three outs, but whatever. So, <laughs> like, an infielder gets on the mound and he messes with a knuckleball. So to answer your question, no, I can't I mean, I can mess with one but those those infielders, man, they can throw knuckleballs, they're so good at it, and some guys have like incredible knuckleballers the story of R.A. Dickey is an incredible one too, found he was missing a ligament in his arm and it was on a picture of Baseball America, he was a top pick and he was on um, like three or four guys and his arm was hanging a little bit different in the picture And somebody said, your arm is hanging a little bit differently. I'm I'm kind of going through this quickly, but he went and had his arm examined and he was missing a ligament. And they found out that it was problematic, but he was a top pitching prospect and then reinvented himself as a knuckleballer. It's an amazing story. Incredible story. Sounds incredible. I had no idea. And he becomes a Cy Young Award winner and made a bunch of money and was traded for top prospects. One of them being Noah Syndergaard. So pretty amazing um, that that's what happened. Uh, the forty man, Danny Mac, the forty man roster issue this year is dumb. Don't like it. Three one four. I happen to agree when you look at teams like the Cardinals that may lose some of these guys. I don't. I don't like it. Now, as Brian Walton mentioned, Seas they were able to slip him through waivers. No one picked him up. He's back in the organization. I'm not sure that's going to happen with some of the guys that they've already thrown. I would like to see a special concession made for teams that were hit with COVID. Um, We'll see because they're going to have to be confronted with that coming up probably in the next week or so when they add some of these guys that were hit with COVID in the first wave and they got to add them back. But um, that's the dealt uh, the hand that you're dealt with major league baseball. And that's why before when people were saying, well, you just add all these guys and this is why you had the alternate site and you know, this is why you had all these players. It wasn't just that easy. There was the business side of this. So anyway, thanks for all your feedback. I appreciate it. Always great to hear from you. Six, five, seven, eight, zero. We'll cross it over. Ribs and BK coming up next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101
0: ESPN.
1: Ribs and BK coming up, and they'll take you till 2, and then it'll be the fast lane here on 101 ESPN. Really felt that that was one that got away from the Cardinals last night. They had the tying run thrown out at the plate, then they had the tying run at third with one out, couldn't bring them in, and if they're going to be a playoff team, which I do think they will be, um, it's teams like Kansas City, it's teams like Detroit, it's other teams that Pittsburgh coming to town, doubleheader tomorrow, gotta win those series, so... I don't like to say it's a big game tonight, but it's a, it's a game you got to win. Well, when you run into a juggernaut like
6: the Kansas City Royals at the they RBK, where are you from? shut up. Where are you from? <laughs> Mike Matheny is 1-0 and after being on our show right now. I just want to say that. You make a good point. I they mean, were on
1: Kerry Kern's small Yeah, too. I
6: know, but okay. I was All talking right. in particular about It the was show. our show so that, does that, that gave make him a bump, Wait. though. Okay. Does it make him 2-0, and
1: then? No. He's on... no. Just want to Okay, Go ahead, BK. I'm sorry. Well, Ribs, cut his mic. Jamie has trouble with the numbers. Listen,
6: on one hand, I I saw both sides of the argument here, especially with the sin from Jose O'Kendo. On one hand, yeah, you got to have better base running there by Paul DeYoung. He's stopping at second. Like, you got to be better there. On the other hand, that's just a tremendous relay throw. It's a great play. Sometimes you're just, you got to tip your hat
1: to the other team. They made a great play. I had no problem with DeYoung. I I, I really didn't. I, I could see why. Because going back at it from my vantage point, um, it looked like he was going to almost go back and catch it. So he's got to either slow up, which he did. He didn't, I don't think he stopped. I think he slowed up because if he makes the catch, he's got to retrace his steps. Mm-hmm. So it's slowing up and then trying to restart. And then I had no problem with Jose Okendo being aggressive because then, as you mentioned, they've got to make the perfect relay. And they did. It was a strong throw by Mondesi, perfect to Gallagher and boom, boom, they make the play. And that's how it goes sometimes, right?
6: Yep. And th- this is also the identity of this Cardinals team. They've been this way under Mike Schilt from day one. They're going to be, be aggressive. aggressive. Yep. And if y- if you're going to be aggressive, you have to be aggressive all the time. It can't be a half-hearted effort. You've got to be that team. If that's going to be who you are, you can't just do it in certain situations. You've always got to be that way. So I had no problem with this end. I thought it was the right call, and it didn't work out for him. And it will more often than not. Last night, they just went up against a defensive player in Adalberto Montesi who That's what he does really well. He made a perfect throw.
1: And on the flip side, you could say, well, it's a bad send because it's one out. That's the only, that's the flip side. But Okendo has been ultra aggressive ever since he's been a third base coach. So. All right, c'est la vie. It's over. We move on to game number three, and we move on to what is coming up on your program. We
6: have you coming up at 1 o'clock. Can't wait for that, Danny I can't
1: wait for that either.
6: Chris Kerber will join us, we believe, at 1230. He's got an interview with Doug Armstrong this morning. He might be moving to 130, so we'll see on that one. I have some thoughts on Harrison Bader, Danny Mac, because this kid
1: looks incredible right now. What do you do with them? We'll talk about that coming up in a little bit as well. Made some adjustments. We'll talk about that. That's coming up next on 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.